0: Hello, and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I am Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach, and Reclaim Regret How God Heals Life's Disappointments, and spiritual guide in the Heartwork program, which specializes in helping people walk the road of spiritual growth and inner healing. For the past 10 years, I have been walking alongside wonderful women and men who want a more heart-centered and spiritual life, but would like support along the way. Through online programs, groups, and one-on-one spiritual guidance, I walk with people along a contemplative and healing path, one that has been trodden for thousands of years. Basically, I'm here to help you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit who has come to make your being the throne of the Holy Trinity so that your life, your prayer, your relationships, your dreams and goals will most deeply satisfy the desires of your heart. You can find out more about me and what God has led me to do in the world by visiting my website touchingthesunrise.com. Hello and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I'm here with Jeanette. Hi, Sister Catherine. And it's uh, wonderful to be able to spend a few moments with you. And as you know, we've been working on a series on depression that um, is accompanying the new book, Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach, which has been released in its third edition. And so what we're doing is we're taking a look at
1: surviving depression, but through a slightly different lens. We've been doing this for um, a couple of podcasts now. And the lens is the life of Mary. And what we're doing is we're looking at depictions of her through the centuries, through art, through these different events in her life. And um, today's event is the Nativity. And it's a particularly interesting painting. If you're able to look at it now, I invite you to do so. Um, if not, make sure that you do um, later after this podcast. The artist is Eleanor Fortescue Brickley, Brickdale. Excuse me. And um, what's interesting about her is that she was known as the last of the pre-Raphaelite painters. And and Pre-Raphaelism is, of course, a a very specific style that is not the style of this this particular painting. Um, She actually did some other, uh, I would say, quote unquote, holy kinds of art she's done. St. Catherine of Siena, St. Joan of Arc, all in that pre-Raphaelite look. But this watercolor is strikingly contemporary for someone who was born in the latter part of the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, Sister Catherine, why it is that you chose this particular painting uh, to depict
0: the Nativity? <clears throat> well, well, when I was looking for an image of the Nativity, I went through image after image after image, and. Of course, most of them were like, "What's on our Christmas cards?" Uh, Mary and Joseph are kneeling um, around the crib, the manger where baby Jesus is, and there are angels above, and shepherds, and three kings, and but I wanted something that really would connect with us, you know. When we're talking about depression, you know, we talk about faith, we talk about prayer, spiritual life. But in reality, the experience of depression is really difficult, can be very lonely and isolating. And I had this feeling, this sense that Mary, at that moment when she had given birth to the Son of God, that that was a very quiet Perhaps lonely moment for her. Normally, I would suppose her mother would have been there, you know, or and a midwife would have been there, someone whom she trusted uh, who could help her. Mm-hmm. And in this image, and maybe you'd like to describe it, but in this image, she's by herself, and um, <clears throat> it's almost in that uh, little interval between when the child is born. And when the shepherds arrive,
1: right. So, so let me talk a little bit about <clears throat> the painting for people who don't have it in front of them. Um, it is a very contemporary look. It's got um, several cows in the background. They are divide. They are divided into a different stall, um, which is significant, right there. To think that you know the Son of God is being born in a place with stalls, and. Um, Mary is in the foreground. She is actually in the act of wrapping the baby in swaddling clothes. Um, Her feet are bare, her legs are out in front of her. She's probably exhausted. And what's particularly interesting is that we don't see her face, that's hidden. Um, So that, I think, increases that sense of, of loneliness and of isolation. Um, We can maybe assume that she's got a warm maternal smile on her face, but we don't know that.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm thinking also that at that moment, here's a girl of 15 or 16 years old, probably, and she realizes, I am the mother.
1: Right, instead of saying, I need to tell my mother about this, I need to be with my mother, I need to have my mother's comfort, oh my goodness, I'm the mother. I am the mother. And not only the mother of this baby, but as she was, as Gabriel announced to her, she's mother to the world now.
0: Yeah, the awesomeness, the mystery, and walking into that mystery must have been almost a frightening experience, a lonely um, an isolating experience, as it's depicted in this image for those few moments in between. I'm thinking also, as we spoke about the Annunciation, the words of the angel about who this child would be. Um, she that, probably did not imagine in that moment that there, she would be in a stable. Right, and also, there's no confirmation. She, you know, the star hasn't um, appeared above above the um, inn. The kings aren't there. The shepherds aren't crowding around saying, Hey, the angels appeared and sang in the skies and told us to come. It's just total silence, just her and the child. And um, what a moment of faith, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, so I was just very, very touched by this. Also, because I think when we're living with and suffering with depression, we also go through very lonely, isolating moments when we're in between um, where we were, where we will be, where we're maybe sitting in the stable in those places in our life where we don't have the angels singing right there. Right. When we don't have that confirmation and assurance that um, there's a plan and everything's working according to plan. and. Um, things will turn out marvelously in the end. We don't. We don't always have that. Right. And so I this this picture is almost disconcerting, and I'm not sure why, but it speaks to me um, that Mary understands exactly my moments like this. Um, and again, I think she, you spoke about how Mary's not in this picture in the usual pose of the nativities of wonder and awe and mystery and joy and prayer. Um, She's kind of sitting in a little angled corner in the middle of the uh, barn or uh, stable, wherever this is, on straw with her legs straight out, no shoes on her feet, in very
1: simple clothes you know it's I'm, I'm, it's striking me now that it's almost as though the viewer were catching her unawares, mm-hmm. you know that that many of the nativity scenes that we're used to look very much posed like mm-hmm. here we are, and we're ready, and mm-hmm. people can come in now, and this is almost like we just opened the door and she's not quite ready for us yet, you know she's mm-hmm. still swaddling the baby she's still. Mm-hmm getting her breath, she's still Mm -hmm. doing whatever she needs to do, so it's an an oddly intimate
0: Mm -hmm.
1: painting that I don't think I've Mm -hmm. seen anything like before.
0: So as we spoke about at the Annunciation, Tanner's image, full of light, full of hope, yet also in the ordinariness of a moment Mm -hmm. of her life. This also is another ordinary moment in a sense, but it's a little bit darker. Um, she's not at home where she she's expected in to light. be. She's not bathed in light. Um, she's not sure what's going to happen after the census. Um, she has to pick up and go to Egypt to rescue the child from the hands of Herod there are many dark moments that, from the very beginning, are beginning to um, gather around right. the child like clouds. We're getting those hints. We're getting those hints. And certainly, in this picture, we're getting those we're hints. We're getting those hints that um, even in this beautiful vocation that was hers, and to which she said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to your will. From the very beginning she begins to see, the darkness that would revolve around this, mm-hmm. this child. But what she can't see yet, and what will be much more plain to her, clearer to her, is how this child then will bring light to the darkness of so many others. If you think of all the healings, the teaching, um, the, the way he freed people from um, possession, um, from sin, from lives of, of sinful lives he brought such light into other people's darkness mm. um, but only because he entered into our darkness right and into our need and our humility the one of the thing that really strikes me about this picture and that I chose it for what we're going to be talking about today was that it is very practical uh, Mary in this um, depiction is not posing in prayer or kneeling in prayer um, or amazement and awe and beauty. She's doing something very practical. She's wrapping up her child in swaddling clothes. She's she probably cleaned up around, straightened up around, prepared um, the area <coughs> and. In our experiences of depression, there are some really practical things that we need to do. And so, first things first, one of the first things all of us really should do if we're beginning to suspect that this um, experience of darkness is a little bit more than the blues and has been around a little bit too long, um, or I'm uh, experiencing ways in which I'm relating or not relating to others that are um, unexpected and different, um, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. that those are the times when we really need to go to a doctor and get a complete exam. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to start, and the doctor then will usually um, suggest follow-up appointments which are good to make and to pursue. We may even have to pursue other appointments if we feel that we're not really addressing the situation with people who are specifically trained in different areas. I learned this a hard way. I had a stroke, as I mentioned, when I was 21. And so my follow-up appointments were always with a neurologist because i had had a stroke. And of course, I always got a clean bill of health. Everything was okay. But I was not (laughs) doing well at all. You know, it took me a year, but I af- after that year, I had gotten my balance back, my memory back. I was able to really go forward in life, but I never recovered that emotional stability. Mm-hmm. And no one could ever explain why. And so eventually, I was referred to a psychologist, and that was very helpful in addressing underlying issues that could be contributing to what was becoming um, more pronounced mood mood swings in my life, excuse me. But when I moved away from my therapist, you know, there was this rapid cycling of my moods that began to happen and I was getting more and more out of control and heading toward a breakdown. And it was then that I was referred to the Department of Cognitive Neurology at a nearby hospital. And sometimes in a hospital you get departments of Varieties of physicians who come together from all different specialties Everybody looking at your records your reality your tests together mm-hmm. And coming up together with what they see is a really helpful plan going forward and it was only there that I um, got on medication that the temporal of epilepsy was um, was diagnosed and I was able to go forward with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was 12 years after. My entire young adult life, from 21 to 33, had been spent in this out of control, um, emotional mood swing situation. So that when I finally (laughs) got on medication and it was all like stripped away, Mm -hmm. all of this, which I thought was me, it was a, an identity crisis. And it's been very frightening. Who am I? Right. Right? This was not me as an adult. Who am I? Right. And that's when spiritual direction comes in. Mm-hmm. To help you find out where you are, who you are in all of this. Where is God in all of this? How do you find your deepest self, the ground of your being? How do you pray? in the midst of all of this. So I learned from that experience, and I I freely share with people, the value of really looking at everything together. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you yourself have to be the one to insist pursuing these um, different specialties. specialties. Um, And you have to, some of them are not specialties you're going to find in a doctor. Mm -hmm. You have to go look for a spiritual director yourself, um, read books in spiritual life or whatever it may be. Um, But really to, to start with that physical examination and to move from there is really, really helpful. So it's one of the practical things that you can do from the very beginning. Um, and also, learning all you can about mood disorders is, is really mm-hmm. helpful. There are plenty of spaces and places where you can pick up a lot of really valuable knowledge in this area so that when you speak with a doctor, um, you, you have questions to ask. Right. You can help make distinctions um, because you've read enough to be able to make those distinctions mm-hmm. clearly. You had the vocabulary. Right.
1: Right. You've educated yourself in a sense. Um, Yeah, I'd like to pick up some on that, the medical process, um, because it's fine to go ahead and get the appointments, it's really wonderful to um, find people who are able to help you, Um, but once your diagnosis is in place and once your treatment begins, um, there are two things that can happen. The first one is you start to feel better. Oh, it's all over now, it's great, it's good, I'm Mm -hmm. cured, everything is fine. Um, And you stop looking, you stop asking questions, you stop Mm. seeing what's going on with yourself because you feel so great. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I I have a friend who um, was diagnosed, was on medication felt fine because of her medication, went off the medication, and had a really hard time um, coming back, so to speak. It was almost Mm -hmm. worse than it was before she went Mm -hmm. on medication. Um, And part of the problem, of course, is that most medications have side effects, and we don't like the side effects, so, Mm -hmm. oh well, I feel better, and Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy the side effects, so let's just go along. and so what happens then is you feel embarrassed because you've gone off the medication, you've gone off the treatment plan, and so you don't make another appointment, you don't go see your doctor mm-hmm. again, you don't see anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's really problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that happens a lot is that um, If your first doctor doesn't make you feel better, doesn't get you up there to 100% where you want to be, you start switching doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard of this happening, of of people just sort of hopping from doctor to doctor, looking for the quote-unquote right answer, or the right diagnosis, or the right medication. Um, And these things take time, it takes a very long time to really figure out what's going on with you because Mm -hmm. everyone experiences depression so differently, Mm -hmm. has different symptoms and has different ways of responding to different treatments. Mm -hmm. Um, So you really need to find a doctor you're comfortable with and then give them a chance to help you. And it may be that you'll try out some things that won't work Mm -hmm. and that's okay because that's part of the process. I used to think that doctors knew everything and they don't. Mm-hmm. They're, they're as much in the dark about what's going mm-hmm. to work for you as, as, as anyone else. They just know more about what to try mm-hmm. and what the possible outcomes are. Um, but be, as you said, be, be. Uh, I hate to use these, these, this term, but an educated consumer. Keep your appointments, keep reading about things. Um, ask your doctor questions make sure that you are on top of it because it is your health and your journey Mm -hmm. and it may take a long time it may take a lot longer than you want it to but um, searching for the right treatment modality searching for the right medication um, searching for something that's not going to give you reactions that you can't live with um, keep informing your doctor how you feel keep informing your doctor Um, about your ups and downs and don't be satisfied with anything less because the more you work on it the better you feel and then of course I'm just talking at about the medical part there's the whole spiritual part Mm -hmm. as well
0: Mm -hmm. I'm thinking too as I listen to you Jeanette that it's good to remember that um, a diagnosis can sound like a label or it can sound like a life sentence Mm but a diagnosis doesn't touch our identity. No. With all that I went through, which seems very small with in comparison with what others have gone through, um, depression is a part of my life. It's a part of my life that's here to say I don't feel depressed all the time. But I know, I've learned from my own body and experience now, what I can do and what are the uh, I don't want you use the words trigger, but they're like, when I get a little bit past mm-hmm. <laughs> the right um, level, mm-hmm. uh, I end up in trouble. You know, I get a little too high, then I crash and I get a very low, and it, take, it can take me weeks to get back to my normal happy touch. But you know, as you say, you've got the
1: experience of it now, mm-hmm. and I think that that's one of the things that will make things easier for people as time goes by, because they, they know, "Oh, I see you coming, sort of. I, I yes. know what happens next. And yes. It's not like you're greeting you know, the symptoms like a long-lost friend, but at least it's something with which you're familiar. Yes. So yeah, okay, I get it. I see
0: what's going on here. So we're talking about first things first, but mm-hmm. everything you're learning, um, everything, all the experience you're accumulating, is not something for just now, right? It's something that's going to help you live a whole and happy life. For the rest of your life because certain aspects of that emotional vulnerability may remain with you for a long time. And because it's not your identity, I think we can we can talk about the way a way in which the church does help heal you from your identity. Your identity is a child of God your identity as as a member of the church. The church has been talked about as a spiritual hospital. I love that
1: expression.
0: And it sees a journey to emotional health and wholeness not solely restricted to the field of psychology. Um, There are saints like St. Gregory of Nyssa, St. Gregory of Palamas, St. John of Sinai, among others who really feel that these these illnesses of the human psyche and the heart are best addressed by um, the deepest spiritual and theological teaching of the church, that formation that the church offers in wholeness. And that, that formation, that journey to wholeness takes us always from being isolated, alone, from an individuality toward a relationship with God, a relationship with the community, a relationship with oneself, and Mm -hmm. a relationship with all of creation. So going back to this beautiful image of the nativity, Mm -hmm. um, Mary has this moment, not of isolated individuality, even though she may have felt alone, at that moment but she even at that moment is connected with God the father i'm sure with her son uh, with saint joseph even though he's not in this specific picture um, with herself so there was a certain wholeness in her that we often don't experience especially at the beginning of our our experience with depression so it's a journey towards this inward focus toward a love that reaches out to God and others toward this place that's really a spiritual climate and not spiritualized climate where we kind of layer over this spiritual little world to cover over and hide what we're really experiencing but a spiritual climate that can take into itself all the reality of our human experience and to know that that God dwells in the in the midst of those parts of our life that we just want to get rid of we hate we resent uh, we resist and mm-hmm. in the nativity I think we see that um, especially in this image Jesus came to earth three part of all those hidden places that we hide from ourselves and from others and from God that we don't want, we want to kick out. And here he is in the humblest of abodes. There he is at the end on the cross in death um, as a common criminal, rejected, um, forsaken by his own apostles. Um, He's misunderstood in his life. He, He knows from the inside all these experiences that bring about this growth of darkness and fear and anxiety and depression and sadness in our lives. So moving into this space of communion and community, you know, we can think even of our parishes and how aware are we of of the people that are slipping in and out. Not our friends, the people we always see at 10 a.m. mass and the family we always go out to for donuts afterwards. But I, I remember a good a relative of mine after a very painful. It was almost a hellish experience of her hundred her husband's arrest. Um, <clears throat> you know she she hadn't been to church for a while and she was slipping in and out of a parish, um, attending mass, participating in mass, and um, no one saw her and she knew that that no one knew she was there. Mm-hmm. No one knew she was there. Sure, they handed her a bulletin on the way out. Right. No one knew her. And, and communion and community, being seen, um, cared about, asked about, can I be there for you? Um, all of those are such important parts of healing. Um, and we were created to have this communion with others and with God. Sometimes it's hard to feel that communion with God when we can't feel it with other people. Well, I think that's the, one of the other things that this image brings
1: to me is that even in this lowliest of place, and, and we can draw a parallel to the lowliest of feelings, um, God somehow makes it holy.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. That
1: there's this holiness that's part of us because God loves us and it's part of our surra- the surroundings here. Um, because Mm -hmm. God chose this and you know the Incarnation in a sense has made
0: everything holy. Mm -hmm. And I love that comment you had which I never thought about. At this moment Mary was the mother of the Son of God but she also became the mother of all of us. Obviously Jesus gave her to us as a mother from the cross but from this very moment moment, she is mother. You know whether she's aware of being our mother mm-hmm. um, at that point or not. She is now mother. She's the new Eve, and she's my mother, and she's your mother.
1: And and you know, just as we're as as we're going back and forth about this, what I'm, what I'm really struck by is that um, there's something of the absurd, in a sense, about some of these mood disorders. In another one of our podcasts, you were talking about the many people who are extraordinarily creative, who Mm -hmm. had depression. Mm -hmm. Um, There are saints who suffered from depression, authors, poets, um, visual artists, musicians, all these people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really interesting that um, not only do many people, and probably most people, who have depression go on to be productive, many people go on to be extremely creative. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's something really special perhaps about touching the darkness and coming back into the light Mm -hmm. that might um, be inspirational, I'm imagining Mm -hmm. that. Um, But it's really important also to know that as the examples you gave, um, and as, as I'm sure people out there know, Um, sometimes you can never completely leave it behind and it's always Mm -hmm. going to be as you said a
0: part of your life almost a companion to you Mm -hmm. and I just like to go back as I'm thinking now listening to you there is no guarantee that if I'm suffering with depression that I'm going to become a poet no I'm gonna become a songwriter I'm gonna write a book Um, we all know people who've gone through any kind of trauma and Struggles in their life or cancer and have come out and written a book and become famous and helped so many people with their insights um, But that isn't always the case and if that isn't our case We can't feel like I'm a failure. I was a mm-hmm. failure even at depression. <laughs> I Didn't come out with some marvelous thing right. as a result of my depression, right? I feel like um, sometimes God asks very holy people to walk solely in darkness and not to have the the satisfaction of creative productivity from from the darkness. Um, There was no creative production on the cross. Jesus tears over Jerusalem He didn't write a book about them and all Jerusalem said, oh, that's so true, we change our mind. There was no immense uh, transformation that happened through his suffering and the agony in the garden. He went to his death in darkness without a creative production as a result. Mm -hmm. But for all of us, the resurrection is there. Whether we experience experience it in this life, or experience it after. And and often I feel too, in, in some respects, those who who may not be experiencing, quote, the resurrection experience or, quote, as I say, touching the sunrise, unquote, mm-hmm. um, part of that may be because they aren't connected. They don't have the real connected friends. Mm-hmm that would help them through this. They, for one reason or the other, aren't able to really um, uh, take advantage of a really good counselor Mm -hmm. for enough time Mm -hmm. to really work through trauma in their childhood. They just don't have it. They don't have the money. They don't have the time. They don't have the knowledge. They're not in the right place in their life, the right city. Uh, whatever it may be there are many reasons i think why people need to walk through the darkness and not experience touching the sunrise in their life but even in that um, and even in that there is something beautiful Um, there is where god is leading you and to to all of us really i firmly say there are even if we can't find the best counselor or we're not able to afford the really good medication or whatever it may be or to have the test done that we need to have done. Um, there are so many resources on the internet connecting with um, uh, Facebook groups of, of people who are journeying through depression together. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Facebook group um, and I'm there live every Tuesday evening. So, there are many different ways through the blessing of the internet that we can connect with other people in order to to hear those words that the Holy Spirit uses to maybe open up a window to the sunlight, to, Mm -hmm. to to insert another way of thinking, another way of seeing, another image that might begin to move us gradually past. On what seems like an impasse in our life. And I think this image of Mary really helps us to relook at faith. Um, you know, if you're like me, I pull my own book out periodically and read it over again. <laughs> I have other books I pull out and I read over and over again, hoping that, um, you know, this time I may discover the magic phrase, a magic sentence that will catapult me into great faith and a very holy experience or whatever it may be to to move out of a depressive episode and it's it's a cycle that we can expect, but it's also a cycle that we can reverence. um, As we learn over the years to decode the mysterious moods which sweep through our hearts, um, what precipitates them? you know, why I miss all the signs for months, um, what it takes for me to crash over the edge, what I need to do to care for myself, to struggle back to serenity again. Just as as the saints struggle with depression, mood disorders and anxiety, depression may become a part of our journey, your journey to holiness. And if that is so, I say to you, faith. This beautiful image of Mary, It was a moment in which she had to have faith. It was only in the dark, an act of faith. This child that I'm holding in my arms, who's two hours old, is the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. That is an act of faith when all you see is a newborn in your hands, a newborn in your arms, a newborn totally needing you for everything everything in order to stay alive. And so even if you can't see, believe. And if you are lucky enough to have a friend, if you can't believe, believe on their belief that you can get through this. And so I I want to say to you, God knows you just as you are with your history, whatever it may be, your fears, your needs and your tears. God loves you just as you are. God is the one who loves you most with what you consider your rubbish, your limitations, your problems, as well as the beauty that you may not be able to see at this time. God is walking toward you, arms outstretched to help you find meaning in everything. What is most needed is to let God impress on you his love. Even if you feel nothing, when you read about God's love for you, say to God, I believe, even though I cannot see, I believe. One day, I promise, you will no longer need to believe because you will see. It is as if God were saying, Do you realize that I have anointed you and I hold all your hopes in my hand? You are my dearest friend, and I have clothed you with light. Even when there is darkness and you think you cannot see, I know the path you are on. With me you will always be sure. Do not fear. I am with you. I promise never to leave you alone. I promise to love you for all eternity. I promise to keep you from evil's harm. Though that does not necessarily mean that you will escape all suffering. My sign will never leave your forehead and all will know that you are mine. Words of such consolation.
1: It truly is. It truly is, and it's, and it's the reason for this Nativity painting that mm-hmm. we're seeing. It's the reason for the Incarnation. It's because mm-hmm. we are His.
0: We are His, yes. So it's been wonderful reflecting on the Nativity, reflecting on our lives, and reflecting on the value of communion, relationship, friendship, um, seeing each other, knowing each other, being there for each other, and also knowing that Mary is there for us as she wrapped her son in swaddling clothes. When we are at the points in our lives when we need to be held and wrapped in swaddling clothes, so to speak, Mary is there. Mary knows and Mary understands because she lived through some of those scary, dark moments of faith herself. So, thank you very much for this conversation, Jeanette. It's my pleasure. Thank you all for listening in. It's been wonderful spending this time with you, and God bless you, and see you next time. God bless. Bye-bye. God has amazing ways of knocking on people's hearts, awakening desires, arousing questions, provoking an unexpected spiritual fire. Remember, if you'd like some extra support and are ready to embark on a sustained spiritual journey, you can connect with me in a number of ways by going to my website, touchingthesunrise.com. So until the next time, take care of yourself. And remember that you are not alone. You are loved no matter what. And when you search within yourself, you will not only find yourself, but the throne of the Divine Trinity. You have a calling, a mission, and every gift, every grace, every moment, even every fall, mistake, and sin is a step toward your completely and wholly being taken up into the mystery of God's love for you and for all creation. Remember always that you have a treasure of inexpressible joy, hidden in an earthen vessel, small and fragile. May this overflowing joy fill you and yours with this fragrance. God be with you.